You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. everyone to RB1 colon a fantasy football podcast brought to you by fake.com I am your humble host Pete Rogers joined not as always can't say that right now because it is just Mr. Class Jordan Smith uh how are you I'm doing well I'm I'm missing Clark right now I, I wish know. I was in Hawaii with him yeah, no Clark this week. He is at LAX right now, currently on his way to Hawaii for the weekend. So uh, what a life that guy has. Right quick, what's the best movie based in Hawaii that you can uh, think of? Best movie based in Hawaii would be, oh, God, I know it. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, that is a classic. It is the best movie based in Hawaii. <laughs> There's a Hawaii movie, though, that is an awful. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat, and I'm going to quickly... Well, while you do that, I'm gonna give Clark some advice for when he's in Hawaii. When you're standing out, when you're on the surfboard, just do less. Just pop up. <laughs> pop, up. pop up. Do less. Get back down. Pop up. Do less. Do less. <laughs> there Three it is. Stitch. No. Oh, that's also <laughs> a good one. Shit. Uh, best best Hawaii movie is Hard Ticket to Hawaii. If you have never seen it, it is this awful, like, uh, B kind of horror, B action movie. It's the movie. Have you ever seen the scene? It's, it's at least YouTube famous amongst my circles. Uh, it's a scene where there's some dudes on a beach throwing a Frisbee. And he switches the Frisbee for one with razor blades on the sides. And he throws it at the guy. And it, like, cuts his throat. And it's just blood everywhere. <laughs> no. I don't think I've ever seen that. Oh man, just search if you just for everyone who's listening and you're just like, oh man, what could the, I, I am intrigued. I am intrigued by what Pete is talking about right now. Just search uh, Killer Ultimate Frisbee Beach Scene or Hard Ticket to Hawaii. It'll be the first thing that comes up on YouTube. It is, and, and the acting and the action and everything, everything that you get from that one scene continues on through the entire film. I believe there's like a, a, a atomic snake that has either has cancer or it can give you cancer. I don't know. It's a fantastic <laughs> movie. It's an excellent film. Uh, but Lilo and Stitch is very underrated Disney movie. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time, and I feel like I need to put it back on my list of, like, because I do have kind of a list of Disney movies that I, whenever I'm in the mood, I'm like, oh, I should watch this one because I haven't seen it in a long time. Like, I just watched 101 Dalmatians recently. Love that movie. Oh, there um, you go. But maybe I'll bump Lilo and Stitch to the top of my uh, need to see Disney movies next time I'm in a Disney mood. See, the best part about watching, going back and watching Disney movies as an adult is that when you're a kid, you didn't realize that they weren't like two hour and 20 minute epics. So you can just go through and burn a 90 minute Disney movie and and, and it's a good watch. Totally. I was when I watched Tunnel of Dalmatians, I was like, oh, man. 
I'm probably about halfway through this movie and I like moved my mouse to see where the barcode was. And it was like 15 minutes left. I'm like, what? How does this movie conclude in 15 minutes? But what do you know? It does. I thought, I thought the stream that I'd gotten it on only was showing me like half the movie and I had to like rip another stream to get the second half. But nope, the movie concludes in 15 minutes from, you know, and I was just like, holy shit, this is a, this is some tight script writing Disney. No, no wasted space. Action, 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 conclusion. Exactly. There's there's no room for any sort of fluff or extra director camera work. Just no. straight to the point. Straight to the point. Just like this podcast, as we spend the first <laughs> five minutes of it discussing best ha- uh, Hawaii movies, because I know everyone's here for our, our Hawaii film breakdown. Um, we were talking about this before the show started. There's there wasn't too much NFL news this week. Um and so we don't really have too much to report. There's just kind of one huge, big breaking news this week, and that is Geno Smith signing with the Chargers. I mean, I missed that entirely. Let's, <laughs> let's just spend hours talking. No, 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 no. It was actually RG3 signing with the Ravens, and yet another quarterback getting a job before Kaepernick. Wah, uh, wah. Wah, wah, indeed. Uh, no. Actually, what it was, it was the New England Patriots, my New England Patriots, trading Brandon Cooks to our Rams. I feel confident in saying that, by the way. We talk about the Rams enough on this podcast, and I think we can call them our team. Uh, Trading them to the Rams yesterday for a first-round pick and a sixth, and I think the Pats also sent a fourth in the transaction. So, Jordan, we will break down this from both angles and both sides and, and do a whole deep dive into it because that's really all we got to talk But to start um give me a grade for this trade babe um i actually think it's a win-win for both sides so i'm going with an a um brandon cooks of course is a great receiver but i i just never felt like he fit in with the patriots um it sucks losing a, a player of that talent and that caliber but i guess when you're the patriots sometimes that sort of thing just doesn't really matter for them. Um, as somebody who's quite a frequent Bill Simmons listener, I've listened to him over the course of the year kind of explain, you know, where does Brandon Cooks fit in? Or when is he finally going to start um, being like the maybe uh, discount Randy Moss that people were projecting when they initially got him? And that never really occurred. Um, it didn't really feel like he fit in the offense. Uh, he was good at running in a straight line and catching the ball, but he didn't really connect with Brady, I feel like. And I thought it was pretty telling that Amendola was like the stud receiver in the playoffs when they really could have used Cooks. Um what do you, I mean from the Patriots side, what do you what do you think? Because you're the Patriots fan. I, I it's, it's true. And and I have to I agree with a lot of what you're saying. It's a fair question to ask is why the Patriots made this trade. Because the Patriots are trading. I mean, you said that Brandon Cooks didn't necessarily click with the Patriots offense and Brady, which I agree with. However, it's hard to say that that he didn't necessarily quit click, despite the fact that he is 24 years old and is coming off of a 1,082 yard season with seven touchdowns. Like and and is the o- one of the only players in NFL history, I believe, to have averaged or yeah, to have had at least a thousand yards and seven touchdowns in each of his three seasons since entering the league. So, I mean, Brandon Cooks is is a phenomenal elite talent, <clears throat> but I agree, and a lot of people have said this. A lot of people, especially a lot of people who've been around the team, have said that 
for whatever reason, there wasn't necessarily a connection uh, between Brady and Cooks. And I think there are some games definitely that you could have that you could see that manifest. Uh, the biggest one that sticks out to me was that Monday night football game against the Dolphins where Xavier and Howard just had like the game of his life and picked off Brady twice on deep balls to Cooks and, and Cooks just could not get open uh, against Xavier and Howard, which is something where in the Patriots offense, which is all of these timing routes, you need to get open, right? Like that's mm-hmm. Brady puts a lot of trust in his receivers to win at the line of scrimmage, get open ball's going to be in his hands. Uh, the biggest reason though, I think the Patriots made this trade is because of money. Uh, he was on the last year of his rookie deal, which means the Patriots were going to have paid, would have had, had to pay him a, a crap ton of money uh, going into 2019. And we saw how much money, especially uh, we saw how much money wide receivers were already getting. And the Patriots evidently did negotiate with cooks this off season, um, but the number got too big for them. And so they decided to move on. Uh, it's hard for me, I guess, as a Patriots fan to mourn the loss, because again, I just trust in this offense. If it was a defensive player, I would have mourned this loss a hell of a lot more if they had traded. I mean, take your pick of notable names on the Patriots defensive side on offense. You just, I always trust that Brady can make, make it work with whomever's around him. And as long as they get Gronk, who I think is the, the linchpin to that entire offense, they'll be fine. But the question for you, Jordan, because the Patriots now have two draft picks, two first round draft picks. And anyone who's anyone knows that that is the exact acting price that the uh, New York Giants are asking for for Odell Beckham. So, is uh, this a done deal? I don't know because how much does Odell Beckham give you that Brandon Cooks couldn't necessarily? I mean, does he give you maybe some more yards, some more touchdowns? Um, I, I kind of forgot, and I did have this jotted down, but I like how having a thousand yards and seven touchdowns to me is almost like a down year. Right. It's just <laughs> like, eh, shrug at it. I'm like, Oh, I didn't even like really realize that. And the only year he didn't do that was his rookie season. So it, when he only played 10 games, by the way, um, I, I don't think that puts them in the running to go after Odell. Um, Cause at this point, I think with those two first round picks, what they should do what they really should do now is maybe take a little bit longer look at Lamar Jackson back into that first round. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> but if they don't, just based on how many quarterbacks, I think at least five are going to go within like the first 15 picks. A lot of good defenders are going to get pushed back towards the end of the draft. And I think they can at least get two starters, maybe one on defense, one on offense, both on defense. They can get starters in the draft in this first round. And I think that's what they should ultimately target is um, being able to get some starters in. I mean, the whole deflate gate thing lost them a first round draft pick. They're always picking between like picks 28 and 32 use use the first round draft picks i know odell's a generational talent but at the same time when you have tom brady i don't think it i don't think odell adds as much as like a brandon cooks really did maybe a little bit more in the stat sheets but i still think brady and gronk and julian edelman who's coming back and win you enough games and adding starters getting more well-rounded um i think that's just the better move for them so 
perfect transition to our next topic, but <clears throat> I quickly on Odell totally agree with you. And before everyone just goes filling my mentions <laughs> and and just tweeting out of control and talking to us, being like, the Patriots would never trade for Odell. It's true. The Patriots would never trade for Odell. There is no reason why they would sacrifice two first-round picks for Odell Beckham if they were unwilling to pay Brandon Cooks, right? That's Brand- Brandon Cooks. Odell Beckham is going to make more money than Brandon Cooks. So yeah. there's no reason why the Patriots would do that considering they just shipped off one of the other most productive receivers in, you know, since in the last three years uh, because they didn't want to pay him. So yeah, not to mention Brandon Cooks was, I mean, I, I don't really hear a whole lot about Brandon Cooks. You never heard he about him like much a in model citizen New in, in New England. And, yeah. Yeah. He sounded like kind of the Patriots prototypical player. And I think bringing in Odell, Despite the fact that Odell, I will defend Odell to the death of me, that he's never done anything truly that despicable. Like, he got suspended for one game for an on-field incident, never for off the field. But they already have a big personality in New England catching passes, so I think maybe Bill's just like, nah, I don't want to have another big personality. Nah, bro, we chill. Uh, but let's do talk about the draft because a lot of people have made uh, have talked a lot about how the Giants are really exciting going into the to this draft and are going to be able to control the draft. And I think with this move, the Patriots now are kind of sneaking up into that conversation because of the fact that they have two first round picks and two second round picks, um, which is plenty enough ammo to get move up if they want to get a quarterback, for instance, if they want to get one of those top five guys. Uh, I've heard a lot of people point connections to Mason Rudolph um, and kind of they've worked him out, I believe. And there's been a lot of interest there. And so maybe they hope that he falls down to 23 or they trade up to try to leapfrog Arizona. Uh, My guess is I think Arizona is going to be at 15. That kind of last stop for for quarterbacks. Um, I, I can't recite the draft order off the top of my head, but I think after them, there's not many teams who are quarterback needy. Um, but even if they don't, like you were saying, you've got four picks in the top, whatever, let me quickly do 32 times two is 64 picks. God, I'm a freaking genius. Um, (laughs) so you got four picks in the first 64 and with a defense that got just pillaged in the Super Bowl, and there's, they don't have a lot of depth, particularly around the offensive line. Um, that's why not utilize that, not trade up, trade down, or maybe they trade down, get more picks, but at the very least. Uh, I'm just running in circles here. Use those picks, address some needs, really fill them in. Um, and let's, let's, you know, finally utilize, like you were saying, the fact that we, that, and I say we, cause I, I am a part of the Patriots and part of the Patriots ownership and make these decisions with them. Um, uh, <laughs> utilize a pick that's in the tw- early twenties. Now, I think it's 23, uh, as opposed to always picking at the end of the first round. And we have, Again, like a top 10 pick in the second round and then our pick at the back end of the second round. So I think there's a lot to be done there. And I think I think the Patriots are now have now become one of the more exciting teams heading into the draft as opposed to as as uh, related to like what they could do and what ultimately their plan of attack is going to be. Yeah, I mean, as the podcast resident Packers fan, I'm excited for their draft because they have 12 picks and throughout the entire draft, remember folks, this is only a seven round NFL draft, but they have 12 picks. And the thing, this is just my opinion about the draft too, is that it's not like extremely top heavy. I mean, there's like 
Saquon Barkley and there's Bradley Chubb, who I think is going to be a really solid player. And then you have all the quarterbacks basically. But I think more than that, it's, it's deep in that you have really good NFL starters that are going to pop up in later rounds um, rather than being like, Oh geez, I need somebody right here in the early first right. round to get a blue chip talent. Like actually there's going to be some people like maybe Arden key. Who's a defensive end that might get pushed down. Um, Calvin Ridley might get pushed to the back of the draft who I am all in on Calvin Ridley. I don't care what people say about his age or his size all in. Um, so I think it's having as much ammunition in this draft for later picks is much better than trying to, be at the front of the draft if you don't need a quarterback. I totally agree um, because I mean, and, and a lot of people, and we've talked about this before. Again, I mean, there's likely in the first 15 picks, there are likely five quarterbacks to go in that in that mm-hmm. time period, which means at least five top 15 picks are going to get pushed out of the top. You know, like you're going to at least have five players who are top 10 caliber sitting there. And the, uh, you know, in the end of the teens and beginning of the 20s. So why not just kind of see who keeps getting pushed down the list and see who falls into your lap? I'm I'm excited. It's going to be this could be a very exciting NFL draft. It could be one that just follows the kind of template and everyone, you know, kind of gets who we expect. But even then, you're going to get if it follows a template. Right. And, you know, let's say we have three quarterbacks go in the first three picks. What's going to happen at four? Like you, the next pick, then Cleveland's not going to take a quarterback. Maybe Cleveland stays and takes someone, or maybe some other team just offers a bounty to get up to number four to be able to take, you know, the fourth quarterback sitting there. There's, there's a lot that could happen here, and I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do, do you want to talk about the Rams side? Because I do have a, a quick nugget on the Rams and how yeah. they're formulating their team. So. Even after they have the Brandon Cooks contract added to their books, I'm not sure if this actually incorporates any sort of extension or anything like that. But next year for 2019, they'll still have $70 million in cap space, which is the second most to the Jets. So they will they are still in pretty darn good shape, despite the fact that they're trading for players like uh, Marcus Peters, Akib Talib, and Dominican Sue. They can make some pretty savvy contract moves and they have a lot of space and they don't have to pay Jared Goff for another two years yet, which is huge. And that's going to be, and we have, I have my notes stacked a different way, but since we started with this, I'll flip them around because I am a good host and I can think on the fly. Um, Yeah, that's huge, right? We, everyone's talked about having a rookie contract and we've talked about it on the podcast before that a quarterback on a rookie deal is one of the best team building tools out there. Um, but you bring up the point is that the the Rams have a shit ton of cap space, presumably in twenty at the end of twenty eighteen, heading into twenty nineteen. But it's going to be really interesting for this team. They are clearly all in on a Super Bowl in the next, like basically now, uh, because notable free agents coming up for them. Obviously, Brandon Cooks are going to need to sign. You got Aaron mm-hmm. Donald, Todd Gurley, Marcus Peters, Akeem Talib, Michael Brockers, Dominic Easley, Tavon Austin, Greg Zerline, John Sutherland, Andrew Whitworth, and there are plenty more on that list. I mean, even if you resign half of those, that is half the, you know, those are half of your starters basically leaving in free agency. There's going to be, they're making a lot of moves and getting a lot of players on rookie deals and taking advantage of that and building a team that is likely to have a lot of success. Um, and I know I've been overly jubilant about this team too many times on uh, on Twitter and this podcast for people not to know how I feel about the Rams. But 
I'm starting to kind of get curious about how this is all going to actually play out. It's a lot of turnover uh, in LA, which means it's going to be all on Sean McVay to be able to like make sure the pieces fit seamlessly. And he's only got one off season to really kind of make all of these things work. Cause if you have a down season next year, right. And you can't take full advantage of this. Suddenly you've got to make sure you resign Brandon cooks. You've got to resign a Dominican Sue. You're going to have to resign. I'm trying to think, I think John Sullivan's also up there. And then the years after that, you've got a whole bunch of people. Um, and so I'm just, It'll be curious to see how this season plays out. And I think a lot of people, myself totally included, are thinking that, hey, we're plugging these pieces in. This offense was amazing last year. This defense was super good last year. And it's just going to work seamlessly. And we're just going to be able to, the Rams are going to be able to uh, build directly upon last season's success. I don't know. I'm starting I'm starting to come back down to earth, Jordan. And it's, it's an absurd <laughs> thought that that I would ever touch back down after the moves the Rams have made. But I'm starting to kind of, I don't know. I'm, I'll be very curious to see what Sean McVay is able to do in one offseason with all of these new pieces. Yeah, um, I just have to quick attribute that cap space nugget to my buddy Quinn, who is the only Rams fan that I have mm-hmm. known who's been friends or who's been a fan since St. Louis. So I got to attribute that to him. Got to attribute that. But yeah, I mean, this, this whole Rams experiment, I'm getting a little bit more strongly of a feeling that it's like what the Seahawks were doing only there. It's just like, we have a year or two, we're punching the ticket right now. Right. Like Seattle knew they had a lot of players to pay, but I think they kind of just sat back on their heels and hoped that it would all work itself out, which clearly it didn't because players got poached and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they went elsewhere because these players want to get paid. And like we talked about last week, these players should definitely go out and get their money. But at the same time, this could totally, totally blow up in their faces. Like if they don't win something or make positive strides or have somebody who can manipulate the cap and get some really good contracts and deals for these guys and put everybody that they want to underneath, then it sucks because they don't have a lot of draft capital anymore. No, <laughs> like they they got a fourth round pick back this year, which is nice i mean that's really good but it's not as good as a first round pick which could have been a nice little starting piece for them they didn't need a whole lot but i, I don't know this is really high risk high reward type stuff and the thing is is and because you're getting these players or because these players were available to have to be gotten there or there is a reason these players are were available to be gotten nailed it uh, and and for each one, they have their own different reasons. But at the root of it all, if they have a very bad season next year, if it things just kind of if the locker room isn't all there, everyone's not pieced together, everyone's not jiving and clicking on the same level, it doesn't even matter how much cap space you have. Those guys might just peace, right? I mean, you might mm-hmm. just lose Sue, who is notorious for just wanting to get paid. And it took a pay cut here for success. But if success doesn't come to him, he's out. Marcus Peters has already been kind of talked about as as someone who's maybe a little difficult in the locker room. And what happens if there's not the success that he's expecting there? He's probably out. Uh, and Brandon Cooks, uh, Dan Kelly of The Ringer talked about this. It's the first Dan, first time uh, Brandon Cooks in his career hasn't played with a Hall of Fame quarterback. And Cooks pushed his way out of New Orleans because he didn't want to just be uh, the kind of speed dis- distraction deep. 
which was exactly the role Sammy Watkins played in the Rams offense last year, right? He didn't have as much statistical production because a lot of the times he wasn't the number one read. He was just there to run deep and kind of clear out space for Robert Woods and Cooper Cup to make moves and, and Todd Gurley to make moves. Uh, and if Cooks is fitting into that role, he's not going to be pleased about that. And and maybe McVay has more planned for Cooks. Um but he wants to be the guy, and if he's not the guy in L.A., if he's not going to be targeted you know, every other play or, or looked at or not the number one read, I mean, he could be out. And now, like you said, you've given up a ton of draft capital to get all of these guys in-house, and if it doesn't work out and they all just kind of disperse, you're kind of hosed. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing they're banking on, too, is – it's a great point with cooks playing with drew Brees and Tom Brady is that they're really kind of hoping Jared Goff continues to go yeah. up and up and up, which we don't know if he is. We don't know if that was the result of Sean McVay being a really good coach or if Jared Goff was just kind of stunted by um, Jeff Fisher, which I mean, a lot of players are, which is uh, a very valid reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the, I think, um, what's really good for them is that they might be able to sell a lot of players. on just playing in LA. I know that's like a big thing for NBA players yeah. and at like every NBA player lives in Calabasas during the off season or something like that. Um, even though football is not that big in LA yet, they might be able to sell them on the amenities and Jared Goff, if he continues to be really good and gets better and better then if players start to leave and, two or three years they they at least have him like that's right. the important part um to a rebuild so they're not necessarily starting back from square one but um they're, they're banking a lot on jared goff so hopefully he does well yeah and i hope so too um since we are a fantasy podcast we do have to at some point reasonably discuss fantasy impact of this monumental move uh so let's start with the patriots um now that they're cookless what are your thoughts on them fantasy wise? Um, I guess kind of the same. <laughs> I mean, there it's Tom Brady is going to make plays. You know, he's going to drop back and get the ball out of his hands quickly. And whether or not that's to Brandon Cooks or Danny Amendola or a Julian Edelman, he's going to get yards and he's going to put up. 27 to 28 touchdowns. I know the like issue this. is just the top two guys you named there aren't in New England anymore. Yeah, I know, but I, I'm saying those are in New right. England, they're replacement level guys, basically. So if, <laughs> which if is absurd to say about again, a thousand yard plus receiver with seven touchdowns this season. Exactly. Any any other belt. team, any other team, I'd be like, oh, well, I don't know about that. But in this case, Tom Brady will be fine. Gronk just has to stay healthy. He's still going to catch passes because he's, I mean, these guys have proved they can do it without a player of Brandon Cooks's caliber before. I mean, they went to the playoffs or they won the Super Bowl two years ago without Brandon Cooks. They, Danny Amendola is bigger to that team than I think people realize. So, yeah, that's going to be a tough replacement. Uh, yeah, I'm by Gronk, by Gronk with like Gronk is in my mind. If the Patriots make no more moves on offense, uh, Gronk is a second round pick, hands down, maybe a first round pick. Like he's just going to be the guy in that offense. Uh, I wrote about this in my Cooks recap. I mentioned Philip Dorsett as a sleeper. 
because he's a deep speed guy. But the more I think about it, I'm like, oh, that was actually really dumb, uh, dumb move, Pete. I actually like Malcolm Mitchell a lot. He had a great rookie season, and then he missed last year with an injury. Um, but he was on the same page as Brady. He's a physical guy who can get downfield, big, huge hands, and can pull in everything. Uh, I think he's a guy who maybe you see take that. He's not going to take the Brandon Cooks role, but he might be someone who takes the Danny Amendola super clutch Brady goes to you on third and 18 role, which, you know, fantasy-wise produces pretty well, um, but for actual football-wise in the playoffs, that's where he's going to shine. Yeah, I agree. Malcolm Mitchell was I, I feel like they were really clicking in Mitchell's uh rookie year. Not I mean, Mitchell had to be forced into action, basically. Right. He because. was still a pretty key part down the stretch. And Chris Hogan. People forget that Chris yeah, Hogan Chris got Hogan. injured, but Chris Hogan was on track for a thousand plus yards and I think eight or nine touchdowns last season. So I mean Chris Hogan is another guy, if he can stay healthy, that Brady's already shown an, an affinity for him in the in the red zone and, and force feeding him the ball once they get inside the twenty. Uh, plus the Patriots will also use all of their picks to trade up and take Saquon Barkley. So then that'll just be, that'll be a fantastic ad, uh, in LA on the Rams side. Um, does that addition of cooks make you feel more confident in Jared Goff as a fantasy caliber quarterback, or are you still kind of like, well, uh, we'll wait and see. Well, despite the fact that Sammy Watkins and Brandon Cooks were both a part of that vaunted 2014 draft class of wide receivers. Yeah, Brandon Cooks is an upgrade over Sammy Watkins. So I think I'm so glad that we don't have Clark on this podcast. I mean, Clark, we miss you. But of course, like (laughs) we are able to like talk bad about Sammy Watkins without Mr. Sammy Watkins defender on on board to be like, guys, are you kidding me? (laughs) So he might even agree that Brandon Cooks is a better receiver than Sammy Watkins. We'll have to we'll have to to get his opinion. Maybe he'll listen and and and, uh, comment. Yeah, and not to mention Brandon Cooks now. He knows he's going to be getting a full offseason with the Rams. Um, I think they're going to be looking to open this bad boy up. Like They're going to be chucking the ball all around the field now with uh, Robert Woods coming into his own. I think Cooper Cup will be um, a better slot option this year um, than he was last year. Brandon Cooks will get his. I'm not sure if he's going to get what he wants and to be a more all around target, he still might be a deep threat, which I mean, sometimes you just got to accept that's what you are. Brandon cooks, but I think he can be a little bit more than that. Um, and fantasy wise, that still is a hell of a good production. He was a what top 10 receiver this year in fantasy. I want to say. Yeah. And it may take away some points from Todd Gurley just to, for um, the passing game, but Todd Gurley can also make those points back up with how much space he's going to get to run. So much space. Just just give it to Todd Gurley and watch that bad man gallop. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. Play action on that team is going to be filthy because defenses aren't going to know what to do. You can't crash a safety down because if it's play action, Brandon Cooks is just going to roast everyone deep. And if you keep a safety back and it's, and it's an actual run, Todd Gurley is going to easily fall forward for like 15 yards. It's, I mean, again, like this is why I get so hyped about this team because on paper, it's perfectly constructed and it's beautiful and it's gorgeous and I love every aspect of it. It's just like making sure. I mean, you're trusting Sean McVay in his sophomore year as a as a head coach is going to be able to put together another masterpiece, which, hey, 
the resume shows he can do it. So I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt until the Rams suddenly go, you know, start 0 and 5 and have the uh, 32nd worst uh, ranked offense in the league next year. <laughs> then, then it's time to get the pitchforks and burn the place down. This is just the best time of the year because nothing is better than just banking on potential of teams, <laughs> of draft picks. Just it's, it's the best. It's the best time of year. It's so positive. It's so positive. There's nothing negative to say. We don't. We don't even want to operate. Anyone who operates in the negative and writes these think pieces that are like, "Well, this is all gonna come crashing down and everyone will hate it." It's like, well, you're just trying to be negative and be contra- you know, con- contrarian. Why not be supportive and happy and excited for the gorgeousness of football that we're about to witness in LA? Yeah, exactly. Um, I actually just thought of a little bit. Do you want to do some wild speculation? Hell yeah! Let's do some wild speculation. So I I saw a little bit earlier today that Bears Twitter, uh, so the Twitter sphere of the Chicago Bears fan, was having a little bit of a meltdown because Jordan Howard deleted all of his Instagram pictures that featured Bears material. Oh, what does that mean? Going to get traded. Is he going to get traded? Uh, and if so, to who? Is he forcing his way out? I don't know. I had, um, well, actually, I, not had. I still have Jordan Howard in a dynasty football league. And there were parts when I was watching some games of his where I was like, what, like, what is Chicago doing with Jordan Howard? Like, what are they actually doing? They kind of were giving him the ball and running him into the offensive line every few downs. And then they tried to make Tariq Cohen a little bit more of a traditional running back and took away carries from Jordan Howard, even though he should have been getting like 100 yards per game. Um, I mean, he's got back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. He, he, he had nine was, touchdowns last year. He was a surprising – I wrote for Fake Teams. I did an article where I just basically did a redraft of the first round of last year's fantasy drafts, just giving – with hindsight being 2020, like what would the first round look like if we knew how everyone played out? Jordan Howard was the 12th pick in the first round. He was the last pick of the first round. Like he – he was again, he's like the Michael Thomas syndrome where you're like, oh, Michael Thomas didn't have a good fantasy season. Then you look at him. He's like, oh, he was a top five wide receiver in fantasy. I feel the same way about Jordan Howard, right? I had Jordan Howard on my team and I was like, ah, Jordan Howard didn't have a good fantasy season. But what do you know? He was still like a top 10 uh, running back. So if he does get traded, if he is forcing his way out of Chicago, um, I'm now trying to think desperately on the fly as to where he could go and what team could use a stout powerful uh rushing attack my initial thought was um for some reason i thought cleveland was going to trade for howard and give up the fourth pick and swap the eighth but then i remembered or not remembered i was given help remembering that they have carlos hyde right that doesn't make sense and then uh shout out to my boy quinn again getting a second shout out on the podcast he brought up the carolina panthers oh got me Super excited because I'm oh. like, who could use a power running back more than Cameron Newton? Oh my god, can you imagine? Oh, I'm I'm so torn because I want Christian McCaffrey to be the guy there for fantasy purposes, so that you don't have like the Derrick Henry, Demarco Murray situation where you can never draft uh, Christian McCaffrey in a in a decently high draft round because you're never sure of his production. That right. being said, Jordan Howard in that offense would be what if they just did a swap who says no talk to me talk to me here jordan talk me off this cliff 
what <laughs> if what if the Panthers and the Bears just swap Christian McCaffrey and Jordan Howard? Gosh, I think the Bears got to say no, right? Right, because like, he kind of Tariq Cohen's kind of the same guy, isn't he? Yeah, Tariq Cohen might have been a. I mean, if they actually used him right last year, he could have had a better season. But they kind of stopped using him in like the special way that made him unique. I, I kind of actually forgot the Panthers had Christian McCaffrey, so now I'm kind of thinking <laughs> back on it from a fantasy perspective because I wouldn't mind Jordan Howard going back to being the feature guy. Right. Um, as opposed because uh Clark brought it up on the last podcast, I believe that with Matt Nagy there now, they might utilize Tariq Cohen a, a little bit more creatively. I'd like I'd like Howard to be more of like the 30 touch per game guy. Um I totally Giants, agree. The Giants could always use a good the running Giants back. Giants could always use a running back. The Jets could use a running back. They got Isaiah Crowell, but I mean I would Jordan Howard is an upgrade over Isaiah Crowell. Uh, don't put my starting dynasty running back on the Jets, okay? <laughs> that's true. That's the banish. That's that's the banish land of this podcast is the New York Jets. Why now, don't we? Why don't we give them to podcast favorite Jimmy Garoppolo? Ooh, in San Francisco, Jarek McKinnon is a slot receiver in that offense. Just give him Jordan Howard. Let him pound the rock for Jimmy G. I. I'm I'm amazed that it's taking me this long to suggest San Francisco since every single article that I write where I'm like top five landing spots for this player San Francisco is always on the list because I'm just like sure give him to Kyle Shanahan and he'll make it work uh I like that I'm a fan I'm a fan uh that people is some live discussion on this podcast and that is why we do notes ahead of time (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't even have that jotted down I just I I just remembered it on the fly uh, and I and I also love the speculate wildly segment. Clearly, that needs to just become a, a staple in our repertoire. Yeah, I can't wait to actually see what what this even means. Like, is is there a disgruntled running back in Chicago? Was it just a? I mean, did he delete more than actual Chicago Bears pictures? I right, mean, there's, there's always that possibility. There's a lot. Too. There's a lot here. I think we need to really put the research team on this and get a full uh, investigation going. I, I need somebody, podcast listeners, I need somebody who is like either a Bears fan or who had already followed Jordan Howard on Instagram because I didn't. And he has like 15 Instagram posts on there, which is like a super low amount for uh, athlete. Before? Yeah. But how many did he have before? What did he post before? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, before we head out, you want to, you got some kudos? I only have kudos, so that's why I was just starting with it because all I got is is kudos. Oh, I was gonna give some kudos to one of my all-time favorite human beings and friend of the pod, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Oh, Dwayne, <laughs> such a good man. You're, yeah. it, anytime he's on the show, it's always fun. He had a very like telling Rolling Stone profile that came out and, um it just reminded me a little bit about like why I want to write and do the things that I do. It's not necessarily because I want to go out there and win a Pulitzer prize. And Dwayne Johnson doesn't want to go out there and necessarily win an Oscar for every movie he does, but every movie he does is for the audience and everything that I try to do um, with my career is to, I guess, entertain others and put the, the reader or the listener ahead of like my own personal needs. I'm not going to come out here with some sort of 
deep, dark, investigative journalistic piece, unless it's asked of me, uh, like figuring out where Jordan Howard is going to land. Um, in the Rolling Stone piece, he also talks about, and this is something that I think is important for men and important for people of his stature. He talks a little bit about his battle with um, bouts of depression and mental health. And I think that's relevant to our discussions on football because people, athletes, they don't want to talk about it. They want to be tough guys and they want to take it on the jaw and they want to, in the words of Jamal Adams, go out there and die on the field for whatever reason. And, you know, if, if somebody like somebody that is literally nicknamed the rock can go out there and tell you like, Hey, it's okay to show a little bit of vulnerability to be a little bit sensitive. Then I think other people should take that a little bit more to heart. So kudos to my doppelganger, Dwayne Johnson. Kudos to Dwayne. Uh, I just, I want every, I just like the thought of all of our listeners, all ten of them scrambling to find the one podcast episode that we interviewed Dwayne The Rock Johnson in, and everyone's like, "Wait, what? They had Dwayne on the show? They got to go to the archives for that one. Got to go deep into the archives for that." Uh, my kudos are for a, another TV show because that's what I do with my free time is just watch TV. Uh, Shit's Creek. It's this Canadian show that's on Netflix with Eugene Levy, uh, and he writes it and started it and stars with his son and his daughter, but his son and him created it and write it. It is hilarious. It's basically just about this like very rich family that lose all their money and now live in this really shitty town. So it's like a very basic plot, but it's hilarious. It's very well acted, very hilarious. It's a great 20-minute comedy, which... I feel like it's kind of a dying breed, especially in the Netflix age. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these comedies now are like 40 minutes and you just sit down and you like binge watch four of them and suddenly two hours or three hours has passed and you're just like, what the fudge am I doing with my life? Because um, that's the only way we watch uh, TV shows. Uh, Becca and I, we only watch them in, in binge mode. Um, but yeah, it's a great show. It's very funny. Highly recommend if you have it on Netflix. Uh, there you go. There's my kudos, but Mine, it's not as uh, not as inspirational as as yours, Jordan, but <laughs> but it's something. Hey, you know what? I think I've actually heard of that show. Eugene Levy's just got great eyebrows. Great eyebrows. Um, and his son, his son has eyebrows. it too. His son has has the uh, the <laughs> patented Levy eyebrows. That um, as far as runtime goes, too, I love being able to crank out like three episodes in an hour. Yeah. It makes you feel more accomplished than watching like an entire. Uh, it takes an entire day to watch Stranger Things, which I I will do, but that doesn't mean I feel good about it by the right. end of it. Have no, you ever totally. have you ever watched uh, comedians in cars getting coffee? I have. I've seen some of those. I haven't binge watched it, but I've seen oh. a few and I like it. Yeah, I haven't binge watched it either. I just kind of pick and choose who i think is going to yeah. be good or funny and those are like 16 minutes and you, you just go through them and they're just good watches i like shorter shorter things nowadays too yeah i do i normally take lunch i do like an hour where i just kind of like close twitter and disconnect from the world um for like an hour and it's so much better instead of like watching one episode because then it always ends on a cliffhanger and you're like, God damn it, I need to see the next one. So then, you know, two hours passes because each 40 minutes, the 20 minutes, you get three in an hour and you're like, OK, well, three was plenty time to get time to you know close Netflix. So the, tw the, the 20 minute comedy needs to make a comeback is all I'm saying. Yeah, I was trying to watch 
billions and just burns through that and i would try to watch that on my lunch break because i was just like fiending for some more billions but then i would only get like 45 minutes into it and i'd need the last 15 minutes to, <laughs> and that's for the worst. to wrap up yeah so I, I totally get what you mean it's just yep. too much too much. Uh, so there you go. Uh, a Clarkless episode. Clark, we miss you. Hopefully, uh, Hawaii is treating you well. And not only Hawaii, but you now have ample films to watch on the flight for you to fully get into the Hawaiian spirit. Um, we will, of course, be back at you next week with hopefully hopefully, some NFL action will go down. I mean, thank God Brandon Cooks got traded. Otherwise, what would we have talked about on this podcast? Well, we probably would have done the deep dive into Jordan Howard's Instagram. <laughs> maybe maybe we do some research and maybe that's our topic for next week maybe we uh do a deep dive and bring out some theories um but if you have some theories make sure to tweet at us at rb1 podcast follow myself at uh pete m rogers follow jordan at jordan underscore smith 27 and like we announced last week we are on stitcher so if you are an Android user and you don't got yourself a iPod or an iPhone, whatever those things are, um, you can subscribe on Stitcher. You can also subscribe on iTunes. For both of them, rate, review, give us five stars because, you know, we always like to be rated and reviewed. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, folks. <laughs>